Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Jana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Question from Jai Patni Gopidasi Hare Krishna, Your Holiness, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. I am writing in reference to asking a question as seen on Your Holiness's website. My name is Jaipatni Gopi Dasi and I have been in the movement and a disciple of Jaipataka Swami most of the time since 1980. I serve here at New Taliban Farm in Mississippi, that's in the United States of America. In the late 80s, I was raising four young children, all born within a span of eight years. I was dealing with my elderly dad, father, who was alone, and who had a habit, bad habit of drinking for many years. He had caused drunk driving accidents, but due to Krishna's mercy, had not hurt anyone except himself. I made a decision when I moved to New Talavan not to give him my address because he lived two and a half hours away and I feared he would spend most of his time on the highway driving back and forth to and from his house to mine. I am now plagued with guilt and remorse for the totally isolated life he led for the last three years of his life. He was totally alone in a cabin in the woods in the backwoods of Mississippi. He often told me how distressed he was. We went to see him once a month and brought prasadam. If I had to do it over, I would trust in Krishna to help me and attempt to have him here doing some menial service for the farm. He liked mowing. I feared I couldn't care for my four infant children and also be cognizant enough to deal with him and my husband commuted to work and was rarely here to help us. I have had two shrad ceremonies and intend to have another one performed in October, but my thoughts are almost constantly haunted, haunted by his distress during those years. He died in 1991, and this doesn't seem to be getting any better for me. We were very close. Your servant, Jai Patni Gopidasi. Hmm. This query is similar in some ways to the predicament that Arjuna expressed to Krishna that Arjuna didn't want to uh, act in a manner that would cause harm to his beloved family members and other loved persons. One of the many things we learn from Mahabharata and from Bhagavad Gita especially is that the nature of this world is so cruel that sometimes to do good to some we have to do at least what superficially appears to be harm to others. That is the nature of this world. Actually, those who act in pure Krishna consciousness, they act always in a manner that is beneficial for all others. But sometimes acting beneficially for others means to uh, act in a way that initially causes them pain. For instance, to treat 
a boil requires to lance it, which is very painful. But so the immediate re- result is pain, but uh, if it's not lanced, uh, an abscess can turn in. It can become gangrenous, can become infected, and then you have to cut off the whole leg or whatever limits on. So that's the nature of this world. One thing I'd like to congratulate this Mataji on uh, bringing up her children. Obviously a very caring person and uh, caring about her father and children and family. So congratulations on that because... It's just so easy in the modern age just to not care. It's, it is superficially easier not to care, right? If you don't care about anyone, then you don't have to bother about them. You can just get on with your life and do whatever you like. Caring for others isn't just a matter of talking some psychological mumbo-jumbo or, uh, you know, saying things like, Oh, I really feel for you. But it actually means, uh, you see, uh, mothers, I mean real mothers, actual mothers, they look after their children. and It's, it's a strain. No doubt about it. It's, uh, it's a 24-hour job. No holidays. Our mother, the mother of the whole universe is Maya. She doesn't take any holidays. (laughs) So, mothers with children, they don't take any holidays. There's no question of holiday. Of course, they may... That's the thing. In the modern age, they send them off to kindergartens or they have nannies or babysitters so they can go and do something else. But actually, actually, uh, mothers are meant for being with their children. So... Thank you for that, Jai Patni Gopi Dasi, for looking for looking after your children. Um, now you, I'm speaking to Jai Patni here, made a decision. You had to make a decision about your father for the good of your family and for his good also. You dealt with him in a way which might have seemed like you were tricking him or cheating him but you did so considering the pros and cons of the situation and came to a decision about what was best to do now the famous bluffer Stephen Covey one of his most famous bluffs is talking about making a win-win deal But sometimes there's only lose-lose. That's why there's the English saying, making the best of a bad bargain. Prabhupada used to quote that, about this whole, our whole existence in the material world, this body is just, as Prabhupada often used to say, is an embarrassment. Just an embarrassment. You know, it stinks. Basically the body stinks. There's some skin on to keep it less stinky. But out of the different holes come various bad smells. 
and fiery glances sometimes. So, uh, in this situation, if whichever way you chose, there would have been some bad effects. And you chose to isolate your father so that he didn't, he could have killed himself on the road, he could have killed others on the road. And if you had, if you would have given your address to him, and if you would have brought him to live with you, first of all, if the temple authorities would have allowed it, I don't know. Of course, he could have lived off the compound, but he could have been a bad influence on your children, if, you know, if he's drinking all the time. So, it seems to me that you, you did the best thing. Either way, there would have been some bad effect. So, it seems to me that you did the best thing. Um, but now you're feeling very bad that he had to suffer because of that. But philosophically speaking, we can understand that I, he created that situation where he had to be isolated. It may sound cruel, but it's a fact. So... Um, you can also understand by the very fact of your being a devotee, you're helping him in a manner that, uh, a superlative manner, in a manner that even if you gave him all kinds of material comforts and cares, if you weren't a devotee, you wouldn't be able to benefit him in the same way because Krishna is so kind that if someone sincerely tries to serve Krishna, then Krishna looks after the even the relatives of the devotee, even if the relatives are not devotees. So by being by performing sincere devotional service, one benefits not only oneself but even one's physical relatives. So um Obviously, you're very emotionally attached and that causes distress. But try to understand it philosophically. This is the same situation with Yudhishthya. After the battle of Kurukshetra, he was feeling much distressed because uh, he was a what we would now call, nowadays call a sensitive person. He didn't like to. He was a... <coughs> noble person, a good person. He didn't want it to cause distress to others unnecessarily. And he felt that so much distress had been caused by this battle. But um, he took instruction from Bhishma Dev. Bhishma Dev instructed Yudhishthya philosophically, by which Yudhishthya came to a platform of higher understanding and then he was able to put the distress behind him and not be uh, totally... Uh, was, Yudhishthya was so distressed he practically couldn't discharge his function properly. He couldn't, he couldn't uh, act properly as the king because he was so distressed. He, he was overcome by negative emotion. So Bhishwate spoke to him philosophically and said, look, you know, 
Ultimately, uh, we are not the doers. We are Krishna has his plans, which may be very difficult to understand. So, in so many ways, Bhishma instructed him. So, uh, please um, understand that whatever decision we make in this world, we can't tell what the ultimate outcome of that. You are benefiting your father by by performing devotional service. Try to understand everything philosophically. Uh, you can read that passage in Srimad Bhagavatam where Bhishma Dev instructs uh, Yudhishthira after the battle of Kurukshetra. And uh, also about the performing Shrad, uh, the best way to perform Shrad for, uh, for Vaishnavas is to call Vaishnavas, perform kirtan, and give them prasadam. That's better than doing all these various rituals. That's the recommended method for the benefit of um, the departed soul. Of course, we're not Yudhishthira and Bhishma, but the same principle applies. They, you know, they, they were discuss- They were pure devotees of Krishna who are discussing you know, a massive catastrophe in human society, and we are small people discussing a, a, a relatively small affair. But uh, we look to. Great devotee. That's why Vyasadeva compiled all these things in the Shrimad Bhagavatam, Mahabharata, and Puranas, so that we're we're not such big big devotees that either because of some offense, if someone performs some offense to us, that Krishna is going to send the Sudarshan chakra, and then someone's going to run all over the universe, and that's not going to happen. But but uh, all these anecdotes are there to instruct us. So, let us take instruction from them. Okay, let's move on to the next sheet. So, another question. What is the importance of stressing good relationships among devotees? Well, naturally, you want to have good relationships between devotees. Uh, My general outlook on that has always been, well, from my experience, uh, when I I joined in this movement, uh, we didn't talk a lot about relationships, but there was a a lot of pressure for service. Pressure, but there was a lot of bliss also. A lot of kirtan and the idea was here serving Prabhupada's movement and the pressure was there that we've got to, we've got to do something for, to please Srila Prabhupada. So, uh, naturally we had close relationships because we were bonded together in service for Krishna. And even though uh, among the devotees, there was, you know, sometimes there was like some friction or tension, but it was this, it was the stress of 
doing service together. That brought it was because of we, we were trying to do service together that sometimes it, it was so intense and we became you know, angry at each other or something. But because it was all for the service of Krishna, uh, it was it was uh, a loving anger even among the devotees, just like you're seeing. In Mahabharata described that sometimes Bhima would get angry at Yudhishthira, but it wasn't that they were going to, you know, fight and fall out. But they, but it was it was uh, anger or some apparent bad feeling. But because they were there was very deep love between them, and and then actually the. Uh, the, exp- the expression of anger over some incident or whatever, or some policy, that only... Uh, they, they could do like that. They could be angry like that because their relationship was so deep that it wouldn't be damaged by that. That's why Advaita Acharya, he made some trick that he won Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was always so respectful to Advaita Acharya, thinking Advaita is my superior, that Advaita wanted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to become angry with him. So the he thought the only way I can do that is if I start preaching Mayavad. So Advaita Acharya started preaching Mayavad, then Advaita Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to Advaita's house and started beating beating up Advaita Acharya, the old man. Advaita Acharya is very happy. <laughs> that now he's accepted me. Now he's not treating me respectfully, not distantly. Because he felt now he's, he's showing he's, he, he cares for me so much that he's beating me up. So, uh, a lot of times it's stress. I'm not sure about this, Toyma. At least in my outlooks, good, good relationships come naturally. You just can't, it's not by talking about it. Get, let's get on and do some service to Krishna and then automatically you get good relationship. Otherwise you get on all this mental platform. Of, I don't know. Talking about relationships, I can't relate to it. I... I I don't think you're going to get good relationships by just, you know, trying to make some psychological adjustment or reading some books about how to have good relationships. Try to serve Krishna. Krishna is the center. If we serve Krishna, then we're, then automatically we're linked on the platform of beyond the modes of nature, beyond the lower emotions that Prabhupada talks about in the uh, Kunti prayers. That there's one. I don't have anyone has that. That's a, I should have brought that. That uh, first canto with chapter eight in English. Oh, okay, very good. Now let's see if I can find it very quickly. That's. Uh, all right. So just Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Where is that? Where is that? Huh? It's toward the end? It's just a short sentence, but it's so... Ah... Uh, Yeah, Srila Prabhupada writes, uh, this is from the Twaimena, no, Namo Kinchana, no, yeah, it's Namo Kinchana Vittayana Vritta, no, 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 it's not, it's Twaimena Nivishayama Tirmadhupate Sakretratimudvahatadata Gangai Vaughamudandati. O Lord of Madhu, as the Ganges forever flows to the sea without hindrance, let my attraction be constantly drawn unto you without being diverted to anyone else. So I'll just read a few quotes from this. So-called affection for family, society, country, etc. consists of different phases of sense gratification. Uh, Then, relations of the soul established in relation with the supreme soul are factual relations. This is Prabhupada on relationships. The relation of the soul to the soul can be established by the via medium of the relation with the super soul, not vice versa. It's not that you try to have good relationships and then you impose that on Krishna. But Krishna is the center of all relationships. So, the relationship, it's not that the relationship with the super soul is established first by making relationships soul to soul, but Prabhupada writes here, the relationship of the soul to the soul can be established by the via medium of the relation with the super soul. And then there's another classic Prabhupada statement following that. This is like poetry. Prabhupada writes, Seeing in the darkness is not seeing. But seeing by the light of the sun means to see the sun and everything else which was unseen in the darkness. That is the way of devotional service. So, that's good relationships among the devotees. Make our relationship with Krishna and then relationships between devotees will follow according to what Srila Prabhupada states here. Oh, I didn't read the whole... uh, I didn't read the rest of the question. Well, there's a comment. Sometimes it seems to be overstressed, stressing good relationships among the devotees. The same regarding emotional balance and satisfaction in our lives. To tell you the truth, I don't know anything about any of these things. Emotional balance and Sorry, I I never heard of such things actually. I mean, I read maybe one or two psychological books before I joined the movement and I hated them. (laughs) And then uh, I joined the movement and I never, and in those days we never talked about emotional balance. I never heard of any, so I don't really know much about it. But I think we can get by in devotional service without it also. 
without discussing those things. So if you are about emotional balance, sorry, I don't know that much about it, but you know. If you want, you can go and get a brush and scrub the pots and with some other devotees. And <laughs> that's all. I don't know anything else, sorry. If you're feeling like too emotionally charged up, then you can go and scrub some pots. That'll it's good for letting out the excess passion. And if you're feeling depressed, go and scrub some pots. It works both ways. That's all. Satisfaction in our lives comes from serving Krishna. That's all. It doesn't come from, you know, chewing, licking lollipops or stroking your pet dog or looking at horoscopes. Satisfaction comes from serving Krishna. At least, that's what I learned from Srila Prabhupada. I don't really know anything else. Sorry. Next question. Is it necessary to be an initiated devotee before having a Vedic marriage? What should be the qualifications of a priest? Well, actually everyone should be initiated. According to Shastra, if you're not initiated, you're not really a human being. But most people don't get initiated. Most people get married. So if you have to choose between, if you're not up to the level of being initiated, I'd still better to have a marriage, like a, a religious marriage, rather than just going into some government office and signing some papers. So I would say, I, I believe that there's some rule, maybe it's an all Iskon rule or in some temples, that, I, that you can only have a marriage in front of the deities if you're initiated devotees. But I would say, if you're not up to the level of initiation, but you uh, are trying to be a devotee at some level, and you're going to get married, then better to have it by the Vedic system. I know most people in India have what we would call a Vedic marriage. But they're not initiated devotees. So I would say better. Rather, other than having a Christian marriage or a, or a, uh, what's that called? Registry office, government office marriage. What should be the qualifications of a priest? Well, he should know how to perform the yagya. That's one thing. I saw in some back to Godhead, published in India that someone had been at a marriage this is like a Hindu marriage and uh, someone in the middle stopped the priest and said what are you doing what are you you're chanting the mantras for a for a antiyeshti that burning the, the dead body because <laughs> the priest didn't know you know his father taught him a bunch of mantras and he didn't know which one he just chanted all the mantras So it would be good, the first qualification is that he should know what he's doing. (laughs) Uh, 
should preferably I, I, you know, follow the regulated principles and chant Hare Krishna himself. Those that should be the, the minimum. Uh, one disciple of mine, he told me he called one devotee to perform his marriage. And this devotee, he also some time ago performed an, uh, an initiation ceremony for, that was, uh, I was initiating people. Shitalanga, what's his name? Shitalanga something. You know him? I think he's Tamil or Telugu or something like that. But anyway, uh, at the marriage, he, uh, first of all, all the people were against having this because they thought, we'll call our own family priests. But then this uh, Shitalanga, he, ex- he had everyone come and sit down. He said, because usually this, when they're performing the marriage, everyone just goes off and takes some snacks. He called them on, you all come and sit here. It was very heavy with everyone. And then he told, that you also chant the mantras and explain what the mantras meant. Explain the significance. And afterwards, everyone in the whole village was very satisfied. He said, we never saw a marriage like this. Usually the priests, they just come and mumble some mantras and no one to you know, like, you know, everyone just socializes and the priest, he takes his money and goes. So they were very satisfied with that. So preferably the uh, the priest can be uh, uh, sincerely desiring to that the welfare of those who are uh, to be married and therefore performs the ritual in the best possible way and explains to them the significance and the significance of what they're doing. So that's the best priest. Otherwise, priests they're just uh, ritviks. In the in the uh, initiation ceremony, if it's just a ritvik, means someone who's performing a ritual, but he doesn't care about the people who are initiated. So there's some idea that that uh, we should have initiation ceremonies and then you're just initiated and that's it. You're, you're initiated and it's just a ritual. That's all. So, next question. In some places, it is a common practice that devotees, often in a festive mood, eat vegetarian sausages and drink non-alcoholic beer. This is not true. This is bogus. It's not true. Devotees don't eat vegetarian sausages and drink non-alcoholic beer. What devotees? How is it? Devotees, they take that which is offered to Krishna for Krishna's satisfaction. And they take in a spirit of service to Krishna. We serve prasadam by honoring that. So I don't accept this, that devotees take vegetarian sausages and drink non-alcoholic beer. What kind of devotee is that? The arguments are, there is no meat inside and no alcohol either. That's true of stool. You can eat stool if you like. (laughs) We understand that it is not Vedic, but since 
Almost all devotees are taking other non-vedic preparations like ice creams, cakes, bread, etc. We do not think it is different to eat vegetarian sausages and non-alcoholic beer. It is only in our mind that we connect these things with something sinful. They are actually pure and even some Iskon sannyasis are doing that also. Well, there's one little formula which everyone can learn. It's called Krishnarte Akila Cheshta. Everything should be done for the satisfaction of Krishna. Very simple formula. Which is the uh, basic motto of devotional service. If we just learn this, then so many questions like this won't come. Does Krishna want me to do this? By doing this, is it favorable for my advancement in devotional service? Is Krishna pleased? Is Prabhupada pleased? That's all you have to think. And then so many questions like this won't come. There's no need even to go into all this. There's no meat inside, there's no alcohol inside. But does Krishna want? Does Krishna want us to offer him vegetarian sausages? Imitation meat? It's not a difficult question to answer. Even some Iskon sannyasis are doing that? Well, Hare Krishna. I offer my respects to them. And... Uh, I would suggest that sannyasis have to act, they have to act in an ideal way in all respects and be always aware that if a sannyasi gives even a little little room little uh, indication of sense gratification then his followers will there's a saying in English you probably have in your language, give an inch and they'll take a mile. It must be in your language also. There's some similar saying. Srila Prabhupada once, uh, he took some seven up because that's, that's nice for digestion. Fizzy drink. But then after some time he heard on the basis of that, he heard that devotees, they were bringing crates and crates of seven up. <laughs> Prabhupada said, just stop that. That's all. Prabhupada took that for digestion and then devotees are bringing crate loads. Just stop that. That's all. Actually, I think it's good if our devotees, they spend some time in India and not just in the dhams, but go out, travel, preach, mix with the people and see how people expect you to behave as a sadhu. Just like you said to me that you don't like, even in public, you don't like Gokulchan, you don't even like to take a coconut in public because a, for a sadhu, it doesn't look good. Actually, in Indian culture, people, well, they won't eat in public even. It used to be like that. Now it's changed. But in the 1970s, I used to see on the train Long train journey, Bombay to Calcutta, 36 hours. So you have to eat in the train. 
and people they would tie a sari all around so that no one can see they're eating. Prabhupada also used to sometimes sit with his face to the wall so that even the servants serving him wouldn't see. That's the culture. It's just uh, if we bring in the consciousness of sense gratification then everything's finished. Festiveness is there. But not sense gratification. There's a difference. How would anyone want to eat vegetarian sausages? That means you're actually attracted to the to meat. Is that what it means? It seems like that. It's cultivating a very tamasic, uh, what shall I say, attraction. Anyway, some sannyasis are doing that. So if you like that, you go. You become a follower of that sannyas. If you like. But it's it's not that everything gives the same result. <laughs> it's not that you can uh, act in any way you like and you'll get the same result. Bhakti means vairagya vidya. Detachment and knowledge. So there's a difference. Now, next question. Sometimes we can see the mentality, mostly among some congregational devotees, that we can do our devotional service at home. That's all right. We actually do not need ISKCON centers. If we invest our energy and money in our household devotional service for our deities, the result will be the same. We can have our festivals, invite Maharajas, etc., could you please comment on that? Well, ideally the Iskon temples should be the uh, focus or the or the uh, powerhouse of devotional activities. That those who are living in the temple, they are exemplars of Vairagya Vidya, they're renounced, they're knowledgeable, they're setting an ideal example, ideally. And they give guidance to the congregational devotees and they, they serve the deities, the temple. Of course, in the home there may be deities also, but it's just like, for instance, in Sri Rangam, People, they have their deities at home, but still they come to serve, to have darshan of Ranganatha Swami, the deity in Sri Ranga. They come, they make offerings. So they have their deities at home, but at the same time there's the deity who is worshipped by the, all the great previous acharyas. And so they feel some special affinity to that deity and to those who are serving that deity, and they want to serve there, and make some offering there. So it becomes, the temple is the whole center of all the devotees in the surrounding area, of their devotional service, and there's a whole devotional culture, which is very strong there. So if the temples are like that, then they certainly shouldn't be neglected. 
But if the temples uh, don't have a very strong devotional culture, then it may be that uh, householders feel that, well, you know, what do I need it for? Sometimes we hear householders express, I go to the temple and I just don't find anything that I can't get at home. You know, if the if the uh, somehow or other the temples they don't have a very strong spiritual focus. If the if the uh, lectures don't uplift us, if the atmosphere doesn't uplift us, then we may feel that what's what's the point of going? So. Uh, the congregational devotees, ideally, they should, or best, or naturally, they should focus around the local temple. But then, uh, it may be that devotees have lost their faith or whatever. So really, those, it's the uh, the onus is on those devotees who are in the temple to make it so spiritually attractive that devotees will be uh, naturally inclined to come. And to make offerings and to want to do service. That's the answer to that one. Next question. When we decide to do some extra sadhana, such as chanting extra rounds, doing more kirtan, following strictly akadashi, praying extra prayers, with the aim of getting some specific result from Krishna, for Krishna, like getting a new temple, Sankitan, Van, or recovering from disease, is that a kind of karmakanda mentality? Well, if we are actually doing it for the purpose of serving Krishna, then it's not karmakanda, is it? But some kind of that mentality come, can come in if we think that uh, you know, I'm doing this, therefore Krishna has to reciprocate like that. Or by my effort, I, I have caused this to happen. So devotees, they may perform some extra activities with the aim of invoking Krishna's in intervention for some uh, adjustment in this world that is conducive to devotional service. Just like these prayers, Namaste Narasimhaya Prahlada Halada Dayane, that we chant, they were first introduced into Iskon by Srila Prabhupada for the devotees to pray to Nushimhadev to uh, protect the health of Srila Prabhupada, who was, uh, we just heard Hari Shori Prabhu describing how in the early days of the movement, Prabhupada went through a, practically one year of absence from the movement when the movement was just starting. During 1967, he was sick most of that year. So, that is not forbidden, but at the same time, uh, we have to keep our mentality such that if Krishna so desires, and not make it a very cheap thing. 
and pray for something worth praying for. Also, praying means if it's done in a ritualistic way, it's not going to work. It's not really prayer. Just like I see in some temples, they have instituted making some they all the devotees together pray to the deities after Mongolati. Dear so and so, Radha, whoever it may be, please send us more Sankirtan devotees so that we can expand the Sankirtan Mishra Sangha. And it's just done in a kind of ritual way. It's just another, but I don't, I don't know if everyone's actually thinking. They're not really, they may not be actually making any plans for making Sankirtan devotees, but if you just say it ritually, then. It's not really a prayer, is it? Uh, next question. The Vedas are self-evident by themselves. How can we understand this point without using circular reasoning? Or is it possible to accept the Vedas as the real Shabda Praman only by Krishna's mercy? Uh, please see on Iskon Desire Tree. It was recently. Recently means what? Last November or something was it? October in in. Baroda, we had that last February only. In Baroda, we had uh, Vidvan Goranga Prabhu, one devotee, gave a several-day seminar on the Veda Paurushayatva, the the Vedas being not spoken or authored by any person. We would, that was the subject of discussion. So, if you want to get, if you want to hear all about that. Somewhere out there. On BVK Sangha, that was recently announced that it's been published after all these months. Uh, what is Srila Prabhupada's concept of education in Krishna consciousness? Well, that's a very big question. Well, it's a small question, but it's a big answer. So, um, yeah, basically, education means Krishna consciousness. That is Srila Prabhupada's concept. For more details, there was a book published many years ago, which I have a copy of, and which I think you read that recently. Srila Prabhupada on Gurukul, compiled by Jagadish. So that if you're interested to know in detail, uh, please ask Gokul Chandra Prabhu, and he can arrange for you to get... Did you make a PDF of that or just a photocopy or what? Okay, so if you want to know in detail, but basically education means Krishna consciousness. Tananye adhitam uttamam. That's the uh, Shravanam, Prahlad Maharaj said, I consider this to be the topmost education. When he was asked, Prahlad was asked by Hiranyakashipu and his what is the best thing you have learned? And he replied, what is that? Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Svaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanivedanam, Itipum, Sapita, Vishnu, Bhaktis, Chain, Navalakshanam, Ityadio, Bhagavatyadha, Tanmanye, Adhitam, Uttamam. He said that these nine processes of devotional service, uh, which are offered by a human being to Vishnu, uh, this uh, this I consider to be the best education. 
What does it mean to take care of Krishna's devotees? What does it include? Caring means well, physical, mental, social, legal, ultimately spiritual. I don't know, I think the question's a bit too vague. But you should see that they're clothed, fed, all these different things. Satisfaction in Krishna's service. Question number one. How to attain it? Well, Krishna's service means that we are satisfied. Anyone know any verses? Famous verses. Say the verse, say the full verse. Okay, translate. You should all know this. Savai pung sang paro dharmo yato bhaktira dhokshaje ahaituki apratihata yayatma supersedati. The topmost occupation for all human beings is uh, pure devotional service under the transcendent Lord. Such devotional service must be unmotivated and uninterrupted in order to fully satisfy the self. So there's the answer. You shouldn't have to uh, ask these questions, actually. I mean, this is uh, this is ABC stuff. I mean, it's very high philosophy, but we're supposed to learn these things, like you know, in the first <coughs> in the first month or two after coming to devotion. These are the very basic principles. It shouldn't be that after. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, where we should be able to uh, answer these questions. No, not they ask this. This is, this verse is one of the basic points that we learn. What are the real symptoms that we are not satisfied only on the material platform? Bhakti Pureshanu Bhavo Virakti Ranyatra. Bhakti means we're attached to Krishna, we're experiencing Krishna, and not attached to anything else. That's all. Answering, asking this question means that you're on the material platform, mental platform, material platform. Okay, next question. Sometimes the devotee who we really like and who is a great inspiration for us has to leave for some longer period of time because of preaching. We are thus losing direct contact with him. How can we bear such separation? I don't know. Maybe you have to lie on the floor and fasting. Just calling out. Otherwise, you can go on with your devotional life and tolerate. That's nice if we feel for devotees. It's very nice. I know when I joined, I was uh, like all the young brahmacharis there in London. And I was much inspired by Prabhavishnu Das Brahmachari, the most senior brahmachari there. 
who uh, later he took sannyas and he's well known as Prabhavishnu Swami. So we all felt uh, separated. We weren't happy when he left to serve in India. Srila Prabhupada took him to India. So I thought I would like to get his association again, and I did. I actually got to be uh, very closely associated with him for many years. So you can pray to Krishna. If you are attached to a devotee, that's very nice. You can pray to Krishna to get the association of that devotee. Okay, so six o'clock is, we're supposed to break up at <coughs> six o'clock is Arati. 6.30 Arati. And officially we're supposed to break at six. But there's no real need to, is there? Okay, go and ask and find out what's the actual situation. Okay, that's all the questions I have here. Any more? Any other questions? Otherwise, chant Hare Krishna and be happy. That's all. That's the that's the best answer to all questions, really. <coughs> Krishna consciousness is so simple. Tribhuvanath Prabhu, the much beloved I you don't know him. He was in England, Ireland, <coughs> India, Middle East, Africa. <coughs> he often used to quote Srila Prabhupada said that Krishna consciousness is so simple that you'll miss it. So, you know, so many complex questions. Get in contact with my inner baby, you know. know, What was I in my last life? What the hell does it matter? What do you are in this life? That's what matters. (laughs) Just Chan Chan Hare Krishna, that's all. Simple. Do some service. What is the difficulty, Prabhupada said. And yeah, we've all got so many crazy things in our minds, but you know what? It's not us. It's just some, it's just some kind of nonsense going on. So, so many nonsense things going on, but do some service, that's all. Simple. Isn't it? Chan Hai Krishna. Offer some food and flowers to Krishna. Read Prabhupada's books. It's very simple. Somehow we manage to like make it into some very complex, unnecessary. Just not necessary. Of course, life is complex. Again, Arjuna, he found himself in a very complex situation. But Krishna gave him the solution. This material world, it's like that. Sava Ramba There's everything in this world, there's something's wrong with it. You can't expect it. But then 
Think of Krishna, his devotee. The world is bad, but just don't get entangled in it. That's, I mean, to some, to some extent we can't help that. Like Arjuna, he didn't ask to be put in such a situation, but he was. But anyway, think of Krishna, serve Krishna, and Krishna will help us. That's all. Simple enough. Simple for the simple.